Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, where every week we talk about how technology is transforming the lifestyle industries. Today on the program, a special report from Slush, Northern Europe's biggest gathering of tech startups and VC investors. I'm recording this in the middle of Slush at the end of the first day here at Mesekeskus in Helsinki. Uh, today we're going to hear from Reta Pesanen, head of communications at Slush, on why the conference is keep getting smaller and sold out. We'll talk about the latest developments in Metaverse with Soan founders Mika Rosendahl and Laura Olin, as well as key takeaways from the Sandbox co-founder Sebastian Borges' onstage interview. And lastly, we'll report on the state of VCs and investments in the Nordics, including new announcements from the European Innovation Commission and observations from Agatha Freimane, general partner at Norgen VC. I'm Conrad Olsen, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind, reporting from Helsinki to my dear colleague Erik Sedin back in Stockholm. How are you, Erik? I'm good. How are you? Have you, been, uh, have you been getting any sleep, getting some food? Seems like you've been busy. Been very busy. There was, uh, this was the first day of Slush, but yesterday was also the sort of press and media day. So there was uh, quite a lot of side events and uh, uh, in things to go to e- even yesterday. So, yeah. Going out strong, and um, and I can kind of tell just from where you're sitting, you're in some kind of podcast booth. They treated you well, but <laughs> I remember last time we talked about we at Scandinavian Mind. We've been joking about how at Slush there's a lot of lasers. I can kind of tell from the video room chat <laughs> behind you. I can see the lasers flying around. That's an added feature. No, the laser game is strong. Lasers <laughs> and uh, and smoke machines every time someone walks on stage. And uh, no, that's 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 still one of the, the sort of visual takeaways. Um, but it, it feels also like the the startup ecosystem, as people talk about here, is strong as well even though there's quite some hesitations obviously around where the economy is going but it's kind of like a dual thing uh, hesitations about where we're going energy crisis and all that but yeah. the vcs the funds are extremely well funded right now um and we'll talk we'll talk more about that later in the show but i i learned yesterday i was at a uh, a presentation by the finnish vc foundation who reported uh, 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 breaking news yesterday that that 1.3 billion euro was invested in only by Finnish companies or in wow. Finnish companies in 2022, and the year is not even over. Have you seen? This is I know this is not your first time at Slush. Have you noticed anything different in in regards to the current situation, the current economic situation in Nordics in the world? Is it is it a different kind of tone in voice and? Well, people. Well, I th- I think like the general that that's what's so sort of paradoxical about being here because yeah. uh, the show is uh, uh, much bigger than last year. It's twelve thousand visitors, up from eight thousand. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's obviously a much bigger event, and so therefore you kind of sense that it's like optimism in <laughs> in the air and a lot of activities. But it's more like in people's conversations, and there's like an insecurity in terms yeah. of where where everything is going. Interesting. And a good example of this was the Prime Minister Sanna Marin, who was on stage uh, previous today, uh, talking about sort of how proud she was of the fact that uh, Finland invests four percent of GDP in innovation and and R and D projects, and 
uh, how much money is actually flowing into this industry right now, even though she also, in conversation, is very worried about about where we're going. So, uh, but but back to the visitors. Uh, as I mentioned, twelve thousand visitors up from eight thousand pre-pandemic. It was twenty-five thousand, so it's kind of half of what it was uh, before the pandemic. We have about four thousand founders here, uh, two thousand six hundred investors, and four hundred media. And I thought we I, yesterday I met with Rieta Pearson and head of media and public relations at Slush who will explain why they've actually kept it down deliberately because it's actually been sold out for, I think, months. And the people are really craving for tickets for Slush. Um, even I have been getting uh, uh, emails from people when, when, when they heard that I was going to Slush. If, if I can fix tickets to people, which I obviously <laughs> can't. Um, it's I good can... that you're in the door already. It might be that Slush wants to become the new brilliant mind. So like in three years, it'd be like 50 people there, you know? So it's exactly. good. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's, let's hear what Rieta says, because uh, there is a reason. So uh, uh, here now, Rieta Pearson, head of media and public relations at Slush. So we have 12,000 people this year. Uh, in the like olden days, in like 2019, we had 25,000 people, and it was way too, way too much to be honest. Last year, uh, we we realized when when the COVID hit, of course, that uh, well, in 2020 we didn't have an event, but then uh, in 2021 we decided that we're gonna like downscale and make it smaller. Uh, part of it was because we had to, uh, but then we actually learned last year that the smaller event works so much better. Like, we have more kind of like focused, more curated audience, and that kind of that really works well when people actually come to Slush to meet each other, to like bump into each other and stuff like that. Uh, it definitely helps that there's like it's less crowded. Uh, let's just uh, put it that way. And yes, we are definitely sold out. Uh, we've been hearing very funny stories from like uh, like VCs keep like emailing each other, like you have a ticket, you have a ticket. Does anyone have a ticket? And like the Twitter feed is going crazy. So yeah. All right, that was Rieta Pearsonen, head of media and public relations at Slush. Um, it wouldn't be Slush without uh, observing what's happening in the metaverse. And I guess I wouldn't be uh, <laughs> representing Scandinavian mind if I wasn't uh, curious about, about that. Uh, quite a lot of things happening. Previously today, I listened to a talk uh, between uh, Tim. Toke, I hope I pronounced that right. He's a co-founder and CEO of a company called Ready Player Me, um, a company that makes avatars for people kind of across platforms. I thought it was an interesting uh, idea. They're kind of minting and, and NFTing uh, avatars. And Finnish startup, he was interviewing the co-founder and uh, chief operating officer of The Sandbox, Sebastian Borchea. Did, they, did he ask him uh, how many daily users they have? Uh, he did not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we reported that uh, that was like uh, the daily active users was lower uh, than, than many people expected. No, they kind of, I think, I think consciously avoided going too deep into uh, crypto world and what's happening. But I do think Sandbox is still, even though, the, I mean, I, I can't remember the number of users. We would have to look that up. Uh, but there were some some articles around that recently. But it is actually an interesting company, and they started Sandbox ten years ago. 
So way before wow. anyone talked about the the, the metaverse, and and uh, he actually said on stage that he was like a, 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 a you know an overnight su- su- success uh, ten years in the making. <laughs> He's been playing around with creating gaming companies previously, and uh, sort of saw that. Uh, we're going to go into more virtual worlds. And when he started reading up on blockchain and crypto, also saw that we'll be able to own our assets in these worlds. Uh, But they also mentioned uh, a few words around what brands should do in the metaverse. So I thought we'd just play a short clip from, from that. Brands is typically one part of the strategy to achieve that, like to bring exciting experiences through like the content, the character, the stories, the location that people are already familiar with, and uh, for them to interact in a more meaningful manner with their favorite characters, etc. And for the first time, because Sandbox is a very user-generated content platform, they can take those content, uh, use them in the Game Maker, mix them, uh, take many of their favorite brands to create a mashup game if they want or a mashup experience and monetize it the way they want as well. That's a strong first value proposition. The second thing is like brands are looking at new ways to reconnect with consumers. Like they kind of exhausted of that relationship that the Web2 platform has been imposing them and uh, like not having access to their consumer uh, data, not being able to communicate or target them and offering content where like attention span is in the range of like few seconds to a minute at best and like our interaction are limited to like, share, retweet and maybe comment. Users want more interaction and they find those interactions in virtual world. Like they can chat, they can interact, they can socialize, they can express themselves with an avatar, they can carry real emotion. And on average, we're seeing users spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes in virtual world, which is like incredible in terms of time and attention if you compare to any other uh, media or format. And we want to keep pushing those creative um, and interaction through as well, like the way like the avatar is going to move, the animations, the emotes, the kind of action that we can do as a group in a, in a, in a land. And then once we've retained those users for the brands, um, we, those users will keep staying in the virtual world and explore all the content, content made by the creators themselves. And that's how we drive more audiences and more users so the creators can also benefit from them and fully uh, maximize the potential of the creator economy where because they own the content and they receive the majority of the revenue from the value they bring, like in case of Sandbox, 95%, not 30%, not 70%, 95%, then like the creator economy will take off and all those virtual worlds should like, like become, I believe, like the next wave of the internet. So yeah, uh, interesting. I also seen that uh, on our own Instagram stories, we've been, uh, uh, you've been seeing a lot of panel talks from a lot of previous Scandinavian Mind <laughs> people that we were interviewing and stuff, interesting to see. One of them, uh, Laura Olin from uh, Sohan, can you t- talk about that? We've been really interested about them speaking of the metaverse forever and what they're doing over there. Oh, yeah. I think they're they're really pioneers in this. And I think they're super talented. Uh, Laura, obviously, we had her portrayed in uh, the third issue of Scandinavian Mind that came out in March. Uh, she was also on the podcast earlier this year. So it was really nice seeing them again. I met Laura and the uh, co-founder, Mika, co-founder and CEO, Mika Rosendahl. They had a presentation. 
uh, around their latest developments. I mean, obviously, so on is the photorealistic uh, uh, metaverse. They're really far ahead in terms of technology. Um, they talked about some interesting things. Uh, I think one of them was um, he predicted that every company in the future will have some sort of game, de- need some sort of game developer in-house, <laughs> like like yeah. we today have kind of like people responsible for the website. It's going to be, you know, game developers working at insurance companies and, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a funny thought. I thought uh, that was an interesting ob- observation. Yeah, out of respect for the brand. I was at a press breakfast the other other day and a brand told me that they're doing that exact thing. They have to find game developers for doing the digital fashion shows and digital fashion clothes. Like who's going to mm-hmm. design these worlds? They also showed some cool renderings of, you know, we've been talking about AI-generated films, AI-generated images. They showed mm-hmm. some examples of AI-generated sort of virtual worlds and kind of saying that, you know, I mean, all virtual worlds, all metaverses in the future won't be developed like by 3D artists. They will actually be generated by, you know, uh, you know guys like you and me who don't know anything about 3D art and, and, and development and programming. But, but there are now tools developing uh, uh, similar to Dolly uh, that, that sort of generates these worlds, which I thought was really fascinating. Wow. Anyways, I couldn't help myself, so I did a short interview with Laura and Mika, about five minutes, talking about where they stand right now with their technology. So uh, let's listen to that. All right, so now I'm here with Mika and Laura of Zoan in their offices in central Helsinki uh, on a side event of Slash. You've just introduced uh, the status of your cornerstone land. So Mika, maybe you can just give an overview where you're standing with Cornerstone Land before. We had it on the podcast, I think six months ago or something. So what, what's happened since then? Yeah, so it's been an exciting ride. So now currently it's around 1 million worth of land that has been sold and we've been getting these amazing landowners who are building, building content and starting to create that next generation internet, what we, what we call metaverse. So. Uh, so it's been a big learning process for sure. Normally we enter the things when we think it's simple, simple and easy, and then we continue because it's uh, hard and complex. And then we get to start uh, hiring lots of new people. We currently have um, already 15 people working on the project full time and, and hiring a lot more. So it's a, it's a call for talent and also for people who are excited about these things to start building together. Uh, Laura, maybe you can say something about uh, the amount of slots uh, you have sold on the land, where you are in terms of usage. It's not officially open yet, but, but uh, you, still, you have still sold uh, parts of the land, right? Yeah, yeah. So the land prices start from one Ethereum going all the way to something like 30, 40 Ethereum each. And like Mika said, currently we've sold it to up to 1 million euros, which is great. But we also want to create it a little bit. We don't want to just sell land to somebody who doesn't have any idea what to do. We would rather create a little bit, make sure that the content will be top notch. Uh, and uh, Cornerstone isn't open yet. It will open uh, gradually starting from the beginning of next year with different kind of events that we're going to tell a little bit more about. But before that, in December, we will have the launch of the uh, first generation avatars, which is going to be a big thing. And if you are not part of Cornerstone yet, 
that's your chance to become a member because the avatar prices are, are, are very nice starting from 0.1 Ethereum and the avatars are going to look amazing. Good to hear. Uh, and, and Mika, you mentioned before in your, your little presentation here uh, that you have a vision that every company that enters the metaverse kind of need to become developers themselves. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so what we've been seeing that as, as now there's the new generation, Generation Z and uh, Alpha who are coming in and they have been native gamers of just being born and raised with uh, with these new technologies and now this is how they want to experience the brands and different organizations and and so it, it creates a pressure for for companies and brands to start building their own games which in a way is part of part of the metaverse and we will see in the future of um, companies not just hiring the CMOs the chief metaverse officers but they will actually start having the metaverse departments of game developers so it's an it's an exciting exciting times and we're in a similar age than when internet started and people are entering and don't know exactly what works and same thing for us like we don't know exactly uh, what works we have learned a lot of things that doesn't work and some things that work and this is a journey that we're doing together with the with the clients and, and figuring mm -hmm. out and doing this uh, successful and exciting content. So I think for the general public, it's obviously been a steep learning curve about the metaverse for the past maybe 12 to 18 months or so. Um, you mentioned some new technologies entering uh, metaverse uh, environments like Cornerstone, uh, specifically AI test beds, which I thought was really interesting. There's a lot happening uh, in tools like DALI and so forth. You're experimenting with that as well? Yeah, so we're currently concepting and even collaborating with some of the leading AI artists in the in the world. So they are concepting um, concepting buildings for our landowners and also our public areas. And that will allow us, currently it's a manual process to then uh, model those, but we will see a future where this will be more automated, that you just prompt something and you will be seeing that uh, that building and creation come into existence in the metaverse. And finally, Laura, a question to you. Uh, you also mentioned in the presentation now about uh, the importance of building a strong foundation in terms of legal and finance. You even mentioned uh, uh, Nordic values as a foundation for building Cornerstone land. Can you talk about that? Yes, absolutely. So uh, we want Cornerstone land to be good for the human mind and good for the planet. And of course, there is still a lot to do on, on like both of those things, but that is really our target. We want to create something better than what social media has created so far. So that is, that is really our aim. And uh, yeah, if you want to be a part of the ride, so welcome. All right, that was Mika Rosendahl and Laura Olin of Soan, which I met in their offices yesterday in central Helsinki. So we talked previously about sort of the state of investments right now, the state of VC companies. Uh, I met with one of the founders of EQT Ventures uh, uh, kind of on the floor here, uh, Ted Passion. They just announced that they closed a 1 billion euro fund. Um, other uh, VCs I'm talking to, uh, InVenture, Maki VC to Helsinki based, they are uh, raising money. Uh, so as I mentioned at the top of the show, there's kind of like this dual messages going on that people are hesitant about the economy. People are worried about layoffs and so forth. Uh, enormous layoffs hap happening in Silicon Valley right now. 
um, uh, for instance, with Facebook laying off 11,000 people just the other day. So this, of mm-hmm. course, you know, affects the dialogue right now. On the other hand, it seems to be a lot of money uh, floating around. And uh, I was at a presentation by the European Innovation Commission that um, announced today, actually, that they want to spearhead more investments into the startup ecosystem in uh, the next year or so. We have already, like last year, 100 billion uh, euro invested in European startups. So that's a good starting point. So Commissioner Maria uh, Gabriel announced that uh, they're doing sort of five flagship projects. Uh, one of them is spearheading a 45 billion mobilization of, of investments. Not every, Money's not coming from EU only, it's coming from the private sector, but they want to sort of uh, spearhead that going to scale up companies. So not startup, uh, you know, later stage startup that needs to scale up. And that kind of implies that they want to focus on the companies that actually will give jobs and actually are doing well for the economy. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're also going to do a $10 billion mobilization for uh, innovation valleys. There are 100 regional innovation valleys across Europe. So I guess kind of like slush here in Helsinki or in Stockholm, there are uh, sort of every, you know, city of of any uh, stature has some kind of startup community. But they're saying like these communities need to, communicate better with each other exactly we all read about you know the silicon valley of uh, riga the silicon valley of barcelona we always hear these expressions so it would be nice yeah, if yeah. they have their own name that we can know them by i had a dinner uh, last night with uh, some international press and uh, one of the um, guys from from netherlands ran a magazine called silicon canals from amsterdam of course <laughs> yeah that's good own the name own the name. That's right. Anyways, so there are a lot of um, investors uh, uh, floating around here. I met with uh, Ekaterina Gianelli. We we remember her from uh, the Transformation Conference in Helsinki in May. Uh, mm-hmm. Sofia Benz is here. Has been on stage. She was on the cover of, of Scandinavian Mind, issue one. Um, and I also met with uh, Agatha uh, Freiman, a general partner at Norgen VC. She was uh, actually a speaker at the first, tra- very first transformation conference uh, that we held two years ago. So mm. I thought um, it'd be interesting to hear what she uh, thinks of uh, the state of, of VC investments. She has a special take on it because she's also uh, uh, into impact investment, which has a kind of a different situation. So here now I got the Freimann. All right, so I'm standing here at Slush with Agatha Freimann, general partner at Norgen VC. Agatha, it's so nice to see you again here on the floor. Uh, just uh, what's your first, uh, general impressions this first day at Slush? Well, it's always good to come back. It's interesting to see all the investors, startup, LP community coming together. Uh, But at the same time, I'd say probably the sentiment is a little bit cautious, maybe a little bit pessimistic, because of course everyone's feeling that something's changing in the markets and 
uh, let's say, a lot of investors and companies will be pressure tested over the next years to come. Right. So I wanted to have your take on that because on the one hand it seems like there is money out there, there are funds that are announcing and new funds that seem very sort of the coffins are, are well filled. On the other hand there is this, this kind of hesitation in the market. Uh, I spoke into other VCs that says like they we're still funding companies, we're just not really funding the ones that have you know an obvious bad business model or so there's a, another hesitation. Uh, what's your take on it? What, what's your temperature? I mean, I think a lot of big funds were raised before we sort of went officially in a downturn. So mm. yes, there is definitely still money out there. There is dry powder that needs to be deployed in startups. But as with any downturn and the downturns, there is a certain flight to quality. And we definitely are seeing that and we'll continue to see that there is generally the money is trying to find quality. So what we have seen, we've seen a little bit of the submergence uh, that the top, top tier companies uh, are probably being seeked out even more and the rounds for the top tiers can be even more competitive uh, but at the same time for the market on average it is taking longer for startups to 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 pull off their fundraising rounds they need to put if if 2021 you could raise a fund uh, around uh, you know start to finish in a month in exceptional cases even start yeah. to finish in a week then we're not quite seeing the, that pace in, in the current market uh, we're going to talk about your specific angle in a moment, but I just want to hear your take. We have heard the European Commission earlier today announcing they want to deploy four to five billion into specifically scale-ups because we need to kind of get the companies uh, going, so to speak, not just startups and ideas. Just we need we need proper scale. Uh, what do you what's your take on that? I think it's very very uh, strong and good initiative because that's where the gap in the market is today, where we see most of capital in Europe is the seed series A stage. We still need to fund our companies B, C, D, and the further down the list you go, the thinner the list is. So I think that kind of uh, initiative, especially in the current market climate, will make sure that the early stage companies still can access capital that can get them, get them through those um, stages. Right, so there is hesitation in the market, but you just mentioned to me right before we started recording that uh, you are doing quite well. Uh, can you talk about where Norco and BSA is standing and, and uh, uh, why that is? It, it, it's sort of, it's still early days and we're obviously not naive about what's going on in the world and the macroeconomic climate. So any data that we have, be it data that we have been able to find in the public sources or our in-house anecdotal data, we do think that it's it that there are signs that impact companies are more resilient during the downturns. We have generally seen that if you look at the data, the general VC deal volume year to date is down compared to last year in impact and climate companies specifically. That's not the case. Uh, also, if we look at our portfolio, you know, generally, of course, everyone's talking in the tech industry about massive write downs. Uh, we, we don't see that that's happening at the same same pace in the impact space. And our thesis that why that's the case is because impact companies fundamentally address real urgent needs. Let's take energy crises um, as, as, as one example, because the need, the problem is so clear that the demand for that is not going to disappear. It doesn't matter whether we're at the top of the cycle or down at the cycle, the need and the problem is very visible and clear and hence the demand continues to be strong and that's our thesis why 
so far we've seen that impact companies have been able to hold up better than the market on average. Good to hear. So lastly, uh, tackling these needs, these uh, challenges that we're facing, uh, what kind of technologies are you looking for right now to invest in? Our focus is pretty broad. Generally, we invest in solutions that have positive impact on people and planet. Uh, of course, today we're seeing the pipeline is most active in the climate space, especially in the current macroeconomic and geopolitical climate. We have seen a surge of top-tier entrepreneurs or top-tier startup operators really trying to solve like, hey, what can we do to yeah. solve the current energy crisis? And, and we're seeing a lot of exciting business models being started in that space from ways to help us balance the grid for ways to transition faster to renewable energy and, and all the related offshoots of that. So I think it's a, it's, if there is going to be a really positive thing that's going to come out of all of this is that I think we're going to you know, leapfrog our energy transition by by a decade because we're, we're forced forced to do it in the current climate let's end on that uh, positive note <laughs> i got the Pimani. thank you so much for sharing your insights thank you all right that was agatha freiman general partner at norgen vc yeah it's been an intense day i feel like i've been <laughs> here for a week i'm sitting now it's it's six o'clock in helsinki i'm sitting in a small podcast booth uh on the fair of course they have a you know uh fully equipped podcast booth here um is there anything you're curious about eric that we should end the show with yeah i was going to know speaking of startups and uh, all these people that you talked about that invest in two different startups have you mm. heard someone being extra on everyone's lips have you seen someone speaking on stage and be like oh i didn't know about these people i can start while you think uh, i've been watching the youtube uh, video they have a live stream a great live stream this whole during this whole day so yeah uh, you and roland you introduced me to vestiaire the second hand uh, the, the french <laughs> uh, second hand store vestiaire yeah 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 and then then they had their founder on on their youtube channel i watched a lot about that so i thought that was interesting but maybe you have uh, someone has caught your attention Big or small? Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of companies uh, going on. And I think actually this is the wrong day to talk about it because tomorrow is the big pitch day where they will announce. Oh, they have 100 uh, companies um, that, that that's up uh, for for uh, present, uh, presenting their, their ideas. And there will be a winner announced at kind of like this hour uh, uh, tomorrow. So we'll, we'll have to get back on that. But there was a great presentation by um, a Finnish founder called Anthony Anjebonam, uh, if I pronounce that right. He had an app called Very, which is about sort of tracking your um, uh, health span of your body. Uh, you know, we all know that uh, obesity and other um, uh, Ill ailments and ailments in the human body is a huge issue, and not least in the United States. He had a really compelling uh, presentation that I was really impressed about. Um, there's also a, kind of like an insider's uh, um, story within the startup community. There's a, there's a brand called Miro, which is like a co-creation platform uh, that every pretty much every founder, every uh, uh, startup uses. And it's great for sort of remote working. If you don't have a whiteboard to stand next to you, you use Miro. They... Mm during the pandemic they they uh grow, grew from four million users to over 40 million users so that was wow. also a very interesting <laughs> interesting company to look at um and tonight 
I'm going to, uh, just like I did last year, uh, to the party of Vario, which is a, a virtual reality headset company here in Finland, which is kind of leading the way. They're doing this really so, sort of really super expensive, luxurious business to business headsets for the aviation industry and the car manufacturing industry. It's kind of the Oculus for for business to business. I'm I'm really looking forward to trying out if they have new products going on. Cool. Yeah, I'm jealous. I wish I was there. Maybe next year. We're going to have to bring the whole team. There's so much inspiration and so much energy happening. Uh, and I do think we have a role to play. There should be more talk of things that are related to fashion and the design industry. I feel like there's a, uh, um, uh, a blind spot here that we could perhaps contribute with. Anyways, uh, this is Conrad Olson reporting from Helsinki. I feel like I'm almost <laughs> doing this live. Uh, and I'm, I'm quite tired, actually, but I'm going to continue my, my day here in the evening with some side events. But I thought we, we, we put together a good, um, good show. Uh, so we'll certainly come back to many of the people and uh, companies that have, we've found here on Slush and have them on as guests in future episodes. Uh, until then, don't forget to sign up to our newsletter. Visit scanlivermind.com slash newsletter and stay updated on our social feeds. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you. See you.